You are listening to the Salty Catholic Podcast. I'm your host, Anas Kesto. I'm salty not just because Jesus says you're the salt of the earth, but also because I'm salty in the sense that I'm watching the culture shift towards this progressive ideology, and it's becoming more anti-Christian by the day, and it's been slowly destroying our Christian values. I'm also salty because I'm watching Catholics become very lukewarm in their faith and not standing up and defending against this secular culture. So I'm here to sprinkle in a little bit of flavor. Alright, let's begin. Oh, the Bible. Probably the most misquoted and misrepresented book to ever exist. And not just by non-believers, by the way. Even most Christians do that as well. We already know the progressives love to misquote the Bible to just make the Bible fit their worldview. And I've talked about this in previous episodes before. You know, they'll take verses out of context, such as when the, when the woman was caught in adultery and she was going to be stoned by the Pharisees. They'll quote when Jesus says, Let he without sin cast the first stone. And they make it seem as if we shouldn't be judging people based on their sinful behavior. That's not what Jesus wants, no. And they'll use that verse to justify a lot of sinful lifestyles and choices. And they'll totally and conveniently leave out a couple of verses later where Jesus tells that same woman who was caught in adultery, go and sin no more. I mean, I can spend days giving you examples of how the progressive liberal Christians butcher the Bible verses, and the whole Bible in, in its entirety, actually. But in this episode, I'm going to focus on how the Bible is read the wrong way by many. I mean, even including those who are Christians. And hopefully this can be a way for anybody listening in this episode to pick up the Bible and reread it with a fresh set of eyes and a mindset of what you are reading just to get a better understanding. So first, in order to understand the Bible, we need to start from the very beginning. At the very basic level, we need to ask, what is the Bible? Well, the word Bible comes from the Greek word biblia, which means, it literally translates to books. Plural, multiple books, not just, you know, one book. But we are so used to calling it the Bible that we just assume which books we're talking about when we say the word Bible. Really, if you pick up your Bible and look at the cover, it says, the Holy Bible or the holy books. And if you didn't know, the word holy means set apart for, for a special purpose by God and for God. So the technical and really long name for the Bible is the book which is set apart by God and for God. Of course, it's very long to say because we're just lazy and we shorten it to Bible. But that also has kind of a negative effect to it, I want to say, because like many words and phrases that are shortened, the Bible kind of sort of lost its meaning on how people assume that it's just one book, which brings us to the first mistake people make when reading a book. They just assume it's just one gigantic book. But the literal name suggests that these are books, not just one book. So literally what you're holding in your hand is a collection of books. It's a library of books. You're holding a library. So why is it important to make that distinction though? Well, let's suppose a non-believer asks you, do you take the Bible literally? Most Christians would hesitate to answer that question, and I used to fall for that too. Because we know that if we say yes, the non-believer can just cite a bunch of passages that sound kind of very weird or ridiculous, and they put you in a corner and say, well, you believe in that? You take that literally? But if you say no, that you don't take the Bible literally, then they'll ask you, well, which parts don't you take literally? Why would you cherry pick? Why would you, you know, pick some parts that are literal and some parts that are not literal? But that question is bogus to begin with. That's like asking, Hey, do you take the entire library literally? When you go to your local public library, do you take that whole entire building literally? The answer to that question is, should be, which part? Which section of the library are you asking me if I take literally? That's how we should answer when somebody asks us if we take the Bible literally. 
like for example, when we read Psalms, uh, they're written in poetic form and they're very hyperbolic. One of my favorite Psalms, Psalm 148, it says this, Praise Him, sun and moon. Praise Him, all shining stars. Praise Him, highest heavens. You waters above the heavens. Let them all praise the Lord's name. And then it goes on and tells the creatures, the sea creatures, the animals, and even the rain, the thunder, and the hail, the clouds, all to praise the Lord. But does, does one expect a Christian to take this literally? Of course not. But the psalm is making a point in a poetic fashion that everything that is created is made by God and all glory goes to God. So, of course, we're not going to take that psalm literally, but that's just the most basic fundamental understanding of the Bible. That is just a collection of book, not just one book. Once you open scripture with that in mind, it'll make it so much easier to understand and so much easier to defend as well. And because the Bible is a collection of books, like a library, it means that the Bible contains many different literary styles and genres. You know, some books of the Bible were meant to be written as literal historical events, like the life of Jesus and his ministry, or the Acts of the Apostles, which shows the life and ministry of the Apostles. But it's a huge mistake to think that every book is written in this style. And it's even a bigger mistake to think that every part of every book was also written in this style. Some books are historical, some are poetic, some use fictional elements to communicate a message to the reader. So the Pontifical Biblical Commission, which is a group of cardinals uh, within the Catholic Church who are commissioned to ensure the proper interpretation of Scripture, they said this, In the Bible, we find different literary genres in use in that cultural area. Poetry, prophecy, narrative, eschatological sayings, I don't know what eschatological means to be honest with you, parables, hymns, confessions of faith, etc., each of which has its own way of presenting the truth. But if you think about this, we as humans, even the way we talk, not just the way we write, even the way we talk, depending um, on what culture we come from, where you know what country we're from, what we're accustomed to, uh, who our audience is, sometimes we speak you know, a little bit differently than other cultures and other areas of the world. For example, if a friend of mine were to ask me, hey, what were you doing last night? And I just say, oh, I was just home chilling. They would completely understand what I mean, that I'm just relaxing at home and not doing anything like no excessive labor. I was just, you know, relaxing. Now, if someone who's not from a more modern Western culture and English is their, not their first language, it's their second language, and they don't fully understand the culture, and they'll hear me say, I was just at home chilling, they'll think that the temperature in my house was cold and that I was literally chilling. But of course, because they misunderstood that form of language doesn't make my statement any less true. It's just a matter of how was I presenting a truth. And this is why it's important to keep in mind that the books of the Bible were written by many different authors who came from different times and in some cases different cultures and wrote to various types of audiences who came from different times and different cultures. So they had to use a genre that they could understand. But critics will use that to say things like, well, you know, if Jonah is not meant to be taken literally and it's a fictional character made up just to, you know, bring a message, then I guess uh, Jesus and his apostles were also made up just to convey a message. But that's as silly as saying, well, because my local library carries comic books, that means all the books in the library are fiction books. It's not true. Just because some books within a collection of books um, are written in a poetic or hyperbolic or even have some fictional elements to them, it doesn't follow that the entire collection is written this way. Which brings me to another point. The Bible's human authors, they were not writing scientific textbooks. Pope Leo VIII said this, The authors of scripture did not seek to penetrate the secrets of nature, but rather describe and dealt with the things in more or less a figurative language, or in terms which were commonly used in their time, and in which many instances are in daily use in this day, even by most eminent men of science. 
we use a lot of language today that's not exactly scientific, even by people who you know, are scientists themselves. We'll say things like, the sun rises in the east, or the sun sets in the west, or I saw the sunset. We know the sun doesn't rise, or it doesn't set. In fact, the sun doesn't even move. It's the Earth's rotation that makes it seem like the sun is moving. And we know that for a fact, but yet we still use these terms. This is just a way for us to describe the way the world appears to us. So when a skeptic makes fun of the Bible for being unscientific, they're leaving absolutely no room for these types of figures of speech that we still use today. I mean, I can bet these same skeptics still use terms like heartbroken and mind-blowing, but no one really thinks that someone's heart literally broke or that their brain exploded in their skull. Or how about some of these skeptics? I'm sure they encourage people to chase their dreams and listen to what their heart is telling them. Does anyone stop and correct them? Be like, excuse me, sir, you know it's physically impossible uh, for you to chase a dream. A dream is, you know, some, not something physical. And your heart, no human heart is, you know, able to speak to its own. No one says ridiculous things like this. They're just a way to describe a feeling to somebody so that we can communicate and make that person understand how we are feeling. So why can't we afford the same principles when reading the scripture? When we read it in that context, it becomes clear that the Bible isn't trying to be scientific by any means, just using some literary terms to describe the world and describe some feelings. And speaking of which, context. Context is key. Sometimes biblical passages only sound bad because they're isolated from their original context. Find the context and you'll usually find the explanation of what the passage is. And here's how you should do it. So if somebody were to ever quote you a Bible verse, uh, and many skeptics will do this just to attack the religion. Or even a progressive Christian will do this to justify some like crappy secular ideology. When they quote you that verse, whatever verse that is, first thing you should do before saying a word, open up the Bible, whether you have a hard copy or in an app, uh, on your phone, or wherever it is, and just go to, straight to that verse that they're quoting. Read a few verses before and a few verses after. Heck, I'd even go as far as say read the whole chapter. It's okay, they can, they can wait. You can make them wait. Once you read the full context, hopefully out loud so they can hear it, or if it's over the internet, you just copy-paste the, you know, the full context that you read, you can then engage in that discussion. It's useless to isolate one or two verses from the Bible because you, you can make the Bible say whatever you want it to say, but that's not how the Bible is meant to be read. The Bible isn't full of quotes that you can use depending on your mood or what you're trying to argue or what point you're trying to make that day. The Bible needs to be taken as a whole. So what ends up happening is many Christians, I would say most especially the liberal type, they'll zero in on the fact that Jesus taught us to love one another. That Jesus just said love everybody. But they'll totally disregard everything outside of that point. Mainly that this means, or they're trying to make it seem like God won't rebuke, correct, or discipline those that he loves. Which is what a good father should be doing with his children. They will elevate one or two teachings of Jesus over the rest of his teachings and over the rest of the Bible. So when we bring up verses and contexts, or even if you yourself aren't sure what the context is, make sure to force them, or force yourself, to read the entire chapter, the entire book, or even a few verses just to get what the full context is so that you can easily correct it. But even when they bring up Bible verses or stories of the Bible that, in their full context, just seem absolutely terrible. Uh, like, for example, how Lot's daughters, Lot uh, in the Old Testament, uh, he had two daughters, they ended up getting him drunk, and they slept with him, and they got pregnant and had children. Well, just because it's in the Bible, it doesn't mean that it's a good thing or that God is telling you to do it. Just because the Bible records it doesn't mean God recommends it. The Bible is not an instruction book on how we should live. I mean, sometimes it does teach us life lessons through stories that show us what not to do. 
But if we take that story of Lot and his daughters, it actually shows us how an evil, despicable act such as incest will lead to more evil. If we kept reading the story, uh, the result of this unholy, disgusting sexual union would be the nations of Moab and Ammon, uh, which those two nations actually become the arch nemesis of Israel. So again, just because the Bible records something a terrible person did, it doesn't mean that God recommends us doing the same. The Bible just records humans being idiots and causing more evil and destruction in the world so that when we read it one day, hopefully we don't make the same mistakes that those idiots made. Reading the Bible can sometimes be frustrating and overwhelming, but if we come to Scripture understanding what we are about to read before we open it and read it, it can make it so much easier to read and understand. Personally, I like to find good Bible commentaries to help me understand what I'm reading. Commentaries, they just provide a lot of details and facts that are not found in Scripture that can really help explain some Bible difficulties. I mean, gosh, there are so many out there, so many good ones out there. Um, if you prefer in an app form, I can recommend an app called Catholic Bible Commentary. Not hard to remember. Um, I really like uh, a website. It's free. It's called Agape Catholic Bible Study. That's A-G-A-P-E. It's got a lot of great Bible study tools with a lot of commentaries, and, and it's free. That's what I like about it the most, that it's free. Uh, but there are so many out there that you can pay for. They range anywhere from $30 up to like $2,000, depending on how deep uh, you want to dive into scripture and theology. But that's the thing. You don't have to read the Bible alone. Read it, find some sources to help you explain what you read, or have a discussion with a friend or relative who you think may know a little bit more about the meaning behind the passage, or... Maybe they can give you an alternative way to think about a passage, some, some way that you didn't think about. There should be absolutely no reason why one shouldn't use an external source to understand the Bible. I mean, the Bible isn't meant to be read like a novel. The Bible is infallible. It's the written word of God. Like St. Paul says in the second letter to Timothy, All scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. And I like some translations, they use the word God-breathed instead of inspired, so that scripture is God-breathed. My point is, read the Bible. Read it, Catholics. Stop being lazy with your faith. Learn it. Learn it well so that you can defend it against the secular world that's heading towards the opposite way. Evil hates nothing more than the truth. And the truth is found in the gospel. And Jesus Christ is found in the gospel. This is where you will find the truth. If we don't pick up the Bible and don't know who Jesus is, then what will we become? Will we be any better off or any better than the world that we're trying to fight against? Of course not. We need to understand the Word of God so that we can preach the Word of God. And I'm going to leave you with a great quote by St. Ambrose. And he says, Just as in paradise, God walks in holy scriptures seeking man. Amen. I would like to thank everybody for tuning in and listening to the program. Please continue to pray for me as I pray for you all. It's all I ever ask for. And if you like the show, please subscribe, please share. Even if you don't like it, just subscribe and share. Do it for me. And also, if you do enjoy this show, please check out the other shows from ECRC, one by my great friends Jeff Kassab and Polaris Hockey called The Catholic Avengers. And also check out, actually, no, that's all the shows that you need to know about. No other good ones through ECRC. Anyway, God bless you all, love you all, and be salty. <laughs>